0: Welcome to the first episode of In Search Of. So this is me coming back to something that I really enjoyed, Um, something that I've in some way, shape, or form been doing for as long as I can really remember, and that is collecting and sharing stories. You know, storytelling is probably one of my first loves. I loved to create when I was a child. I loved to read. Uh, I loved fantastical stories. And taking them and changing them and telling them in a way that made people feel different was something I always loved. One of the things that uh, I I will explore pretty deeply in this, hopefully, uh, as I talk to different people, is that idea of becoming the person maybe we envisioned, or maybe the person we didn't envision as we were children. Through my life, I've embarked on on many different journeys in order to understand the human condition better. And this is just another extension of that. This is just me trying to better understand who people are why they are who they are and how we can all maybe try a little more to be better people. So in each episode, I will interview a different person. I'll hopefully learn a little bit more about them, but my goal will be to interview people that I see as success. Now, that has nothing to do with money. That has nothing to do with status. That has nothing to do with power. No, instead, I, I really see success as the people that kind of hit those three pillars that I, I see as so important. And that's the kind of mind, body, spirit. The kind of ancient Greek ethos of, of being emotionally available. Being intellectually curious, but then also engaging the body in some way, shape, or form. Um, So there will be fitness people, but this will not be a fitness podcast. This will not be asking people about how many sets or reps they should be doing or what foods they should eat. My network is is genera- generally people in the fitness industry. So we will interview people that are in that that world But I want to find out Interesting different Things about them Why they're in fitness why they do what they do So hopefully we'll get to dive pretty deep into that just depends on who we get on here and and how weird they like to get, but that's my goal. That's my goal. I just want to get a little weird with people, because that's where I think the beauty of all this lies. So, without further ado, I'll bring on my first guest, which is me. Figure it'd be nice for you guys to learn a little bit about me in the process, Um, and I'm just going to really kind of put as much out there as I can as the first guest Um, I won't interview myself, I won't make it quite that schizophrenic, uh, but I'm just gonna talk, and hopefully follow this kind of platform a little bit, and we'll give you guys a good purview into who I am. Hope you enjoy. I guess it's probably best if I start at the beginning. Now, I think for anyone to really understand me, uh, we have to understand that I've moved around a lot. So I was born in North Jersey, then we moved outside of Philly and then Cincinnati and then Chicago and then outside Detroit, then outside Houston, and then to Maryland where I went to high school. Uh, From there, I went to Nashville for college, came back, lived in Baltimore for a while, went to Mexico for a short bit, also a stint back in Houston, Uh, lived back, uh, went to Princeton at one point, and I uh, ended up here in Brooklyn, New York. So I've never really considered myself to have a home. Um, you know, I would grew up, you know, in places where we went to high school with friends who had the same friends since they were in kindergarten. Uh, those people, you know, their kids play together now. Um, they have a home. I never had that. So I don't really have that familiarity with that kind of idea of of what home is. Um, For me, the creature comfort to me, that feeling of home, was always the sound of a hotel air conditioner. Because for me, the place that I was most likely to have been for a consistent amount of time would be in a hotel. I remember uh, one time we lived in a residence inn for months, months. And that was the great adventure. Because in that residence inn, they had those cereal dispensers. I remember, um, being able to eat sugar, because we weren't allowed to eat sugar, but in that instance, my parents felt so guilty for us living in a hotel that we were allowed to. Um, the funny thing is, is all this sounds, uh, like we were deprived, but in reality, it was actually the, um, trappings of my father doing a really, really great job, uh, in his career with General Motors. So he got promoted, we got moved a lot, um, so we never spent I think the most we ever spent in one place was four years. So that informs a lot of who I am. Now, from a young age, I knew there was a couple things that I wanted to be. I knew from very little that I, I wanted to be an actor. Or a musician. Now I still play music. Anyone who knows me knows that that's a big part of me. Uh, songwriting has been my storytelling, behavior analysis, uh, for you know twenty plus years. But I think looking back now, I realize that my desire to be an actor was probably a bigger driving force in who I am today. You see, uh, I always wanted to be someone other than me. I didn't want that mundane life that I had to live. You know, grew, growing up, uh, you know, we grew up in an, in an alcoholic household, a uh, very volatile place. Never really knew it was going to happen. So I think for me, there was this desire that at some point, I would go somewhere, I could be famous, I could be accepted, and I could be in control of everything around me. And I had this feeling that if I was this characters in these movies or TV shows, that that would give me control. I never did become a famous actor. In fact, I never really pursued it at all. I was good at it. I was very good. Uh, but, it, you know, the same thing that, that plagued me as a child uh, ended up being something that I, I took hold of as well. And that was alcohol, drugs. I took to it. I was good. I was good at it. And all my life, I didn't realize I had been preparing to be that actor. I got to move all the time. I got to be somebody different every couple of years. I could be the tough kid that just moved from Detroit, I could be the cowboy from Texas. I came with a clean slate. There was no social media. Nobody knew who I was before I showed up in a new school. I could be whoever I wanted to be. And no one would be the wiser. So I was acting, really, from a young age. I was creating these characters every time I moved somewhere. But none of those characters was really me. Or was it? Were they all me? I don't know. But, you know, I finally came to this realization Really recently, a couple of months ago, that I had actually achieved my childhood goal. I got to be all these different people, and I did this for many, many years. Uh, in my adulthood, I mean, I've been a chameleon. You know, I've hung out with very, very wealthy people in very posh situations, I've hung out with criminals frightening people, Um, I've been in jails, I've been in rehab facilities, I've I've been in the nut house, but I got to tell you, I wouldn't trade any of it, because all of it has led me to where I am today, and I am a very, very, very happy 40-year-old man. I found home. And I found it by helping other people. I found it in a city of 8 million people surrounded by concrete and noise and tension. I found peace in that, which is a strange thing to think of. I found comfort in simplicity. I spent so many years chasing some kind of grandiose idea of what happiness was when all along it was sitting right here at home. It was the simple times of going to lunch with my wife. We have more fun doing nothing than anybody. You know. And I'm lucky. I spend, you know, I get to be with my best friend. We both work very hard. We both find pleasure in the same things. Uh, and, and you know, body is a big part of that. We, we both love to exercise. We are very conscious about what we eat. Studying, being better at what I do has become a passion of mine. And emotionally... It took a long time to get to this place of, of peace. Now trust me, I am not the paragon of emotional stability, but I am a pretty I'm doing pretty good. And I wasn't always like this. It's, you know, I mean, trust me, I, I read more books on Buddhism, trying to figure out how to be less angry, and nothing ever worked. It took me till now to really understand what any of those books meant. But I just have a lot of stabilizing forces in my life, and the number one stabilizing force is that I get to help people every day. And that's a very, very lucky place to be. So, to understand me, you know, I yeah, you have to understand... Somebody who sees the really bright spots of life, but has seen a lot of the really dark, shitty ones too. Um, And I think that's given me an appreciation for so much. So, my young life. I moved around, you know, like I said, quite a bit. I changed personas, but, you know, I think really I started, you know, when does life really start for us, for most of us, you know, I think it's probably middle school, junior high, Uh, we start to change, we start to try to be what we think we want to be. So, you know, for me, I wanted to be with the cool kids. I had a great group of, you know, really smart, um, interesting friends. And then I started, you know, I wanted to smoke. I wanted to drink. I never thought I wanted to do drugs until I was presented with, you know, drugs. And then, wow, that seemed really cool. So I did that. In high school, we moved out of, you know, we were in, high, I was in middle school, and most middle school in, in Houston, in Texas, um, in what was a pretty, uh, looking back, a, a pretty toxic environment. Um, luckily, we got transferred, my dad got transferred, and we moved to Maryland. We moved to a pretty small community, um, not without its problems. But there was a lot of really, it it, it saved me. I would have been in much worse shape had we stayed in Houston. Um, So, you know, we moved to Maryland. Um, I got involved more in theater, in music, also played football. I was a very interesting uh, character. You know, in one hand, (laughs) I am uh, in the Madrigal group, which is where you dress in uh, period Costume, So I wore, you know, tights and basically a skirt, um, and sang these, uh, renaissance songs. Um, but I also played football. So my friends were everyone. I, I, I really did, you know, and it taught me, I, I mean, trust me, I had as much, um, issue with feeling like I needed to be popular, I wanted to be popular, I wanted to be part of the cool crowd. But at the same time, I really had a very strong sense of value and justice, and if I thought someone was cool and I liked them, and someone from the you know, quote unquote cool crowd didn't, I would stand up for them. And I think I had enough sway and enough um, strength that that, that that meant something. And I like to think that a lot of people who wouldn't have hung out together hung out together because I had parties and things at my house and guys from the band and guys from theater and then guys from the football team and girls, you know, the the cool girls were all hanging out in the same place. In fact, because I did theater, I got a lot of my football friends to actually get into stagecrafts, which was the building of the stage, um... So we all kind of had this thing in common, which I thought was really cool. But I think that kind of set the stage for, for me in a way. Um, I didn't, you know, I learned early on, even though I, I probably, you know, I, in a way I really did care what people thought. In a way, I really didn't. No one was going to tell me what to do or who to be And God forbid you did because you were going to get that thrown right back in your face. Um, Because the other side of things is when you've moved around that much, people become disposable. So if you didn't like something that I did, I could write you out of my life in 30 seconds and not think twice about it because my whole life. People were here for three years, so when I figured in high school I was going to be gone, in college I was going to be gone. These people were just going to be left in the past, like every single other stage of my life it had been. And for good or bad, that is pretty much how things have played out. You know, luckily for Facebook, I've gotten to reconnect with a lot of friends. I have a couple friends from college. Um, one friend in particular, who's you know this guy Drew, um, that probably when we're a hundred. We could not have seen each other in 50 years, and we'd pick up right where we left off. I mean, just one of those lifelong friends that you're always going to have. But, so after high school, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. It was up to two things. Uh, I could either... Uh, I didn't want to get involved in theater anymore because I felt that an ensemble, a ca- there was too many people that I had to peg my success on. I had to worry about whether a director liked me. I had to worry about whether or not the cast was going to be good, the writing was going to be good. There was too many factors that determined my fate, and I did not like that. So I wanted to be a singer. Um, I had had enough problems with bands. I had been in choral groups, and I knew I didn't want to be a part of a group. I was not a team player. I was a solo act I was a person that wanted to do my own thing so I went to Nashville because at the time I was also an opportunist so I looked around my favorite music uh, through my entire life was R&B you know especially Motown that's what I wanted to be but back then white guys singing R&B were just fucking corny and I was not going to be corny it was the 90s I was gonna be cool But I saw this opportunity in Nashville. I saw there was still something cool about some country, old country, you know. And at that time there was this undercurrent of country going on that you know came to be known as alternative country, which was the melding of like punk rock and country. So it was these guys that, you know, loved the replacements and then loved Johnny Cash. And that made a lot of sense to me. It kind of tied everything together. So I went to Nashville. I was still singing opera. I hated it. I just wanted to sing rock and roll. Um, I wanted to sing, you know, southern rock, country. I wanted to mix my two kind of loves together. And uh, I tried. But again... I didn't want to work for that because there was this whole other thing that was going on and that was the party. And I really liked the party. Um, So most of my time in college, uh, I didn't, I don't know if I passed any classes. I don't know if I went to any classes, to be honest. I went to a couple music classes. I went to some history classes, which I loved. I went to some political science classes, which I loved. Um, but most of them, I was just going to read the book, uh, read the text, talk about it, but I wasn't going to do any homework. Uh, I'd write I'd write the papers. I actually really liked writing papers. Um, but they didn't matter to me. Uh, the diploma didn't matter to me. The idea of a degree didn't matter to me. Uh, it wasn't important. I wanted to learn. I wanted to experience. I wanted to do things. So... Needless to say, college didn't work out well for me. Um, I wasn't doing anything with my music. I came back to Maryland. I was going to say I was going to bartend, get a, learn how to bartend. I was going to get into bartending so I could make some money, and I was going to go out to L.A. or New York and really dive into acting because that was something that I could, I could kind of just go audition. I didn't have to like you know worry about a band or anything, and I wasn't very good at guitar, so. So I went back to Maryland. Got a bartending gig at a uh, country club, kind of learned the basics, and then I got hired on as a bartender at night, at a nightclub at 21 years old. So if you have, a, now this is before bartenders were like, you know, making fancy drinks, like we were just slinging drinks. And if you want to take a 21 year old with an ego problem and really pour gasoline on it, you put him behind the bar at this place. I mean, it was it was uh, it was not an ideal situation. I mean, it was great, but it was not ideal. Um, you know, if there was a restaurant that had a wait, we didn't have to wait. If it was a bar that we went to, we didn't pay. Um, you know, we, I, had, I never waited in line anywhere. Um, everyone wanted to come to where we were and everyone wanted to be in our shoes. And we were given free reign. I mean, you just drank. Silly. Afterwards, The party went on, and I don't need to tell you how that happens. Um, We had cops that rolled around with us to make sure we didn't get in trouble. Um, You know, you got a cop sitting at one side of you and a drug dealer sitting on the other side of you, and that's who you're hanging out with. Sometimes it was the same guy. So I got pretty deep into, you know, kind of this kind of seedy world filled with amazing good people that probably a lot of shared the same problem I had and uh, Baltimore became a very very deep trap for me I met some of the greatest people of my life there I've met some of the greatest friends I've ever had there Uh, met my wife there she was not part of that scene, but, but that's where we met. But it sucked me in. and I contributed to that completely. Um, so by 25, I had, uh, you know, been arrested a few times. Um, I had moved to Mexico for a short stint, and I came back, and I was pretty bad off. Um, and I went to a party, a reunion party when I got back, uh, and out in the parking lot after some guys that I had gotten into a mixed with, um, inside the bar, uh, decided that they were gonna, you know, jump me. And, uh, I hit the big one. He was about six, 250 pounds at the time. I was about five, nine, 150 pounds soaking wet. And he went down pretty hard. Well, the cop, I knew the cop. He said, get out of here, I'll take care of it. Um, And he called me a couple hours later and said, Joe, this guy's guy's in bad shape. I, I can't take care of this. I said, you know, it's fine. Do your job, do what you gotta do. Well, the next morning they came to pick me up. It was a bar fight, whatever. Didn't think much of it. I'd been locked up before. So I go down to Central Booking, which is Baltimore's uh, intake facility. Uh, And I went in. I got released on my own recognizance. I had a broken hand. Um, I had a big hole in my hand from uh, his tooth. And um, again, didn't really think much of it. I would go for processing and then I would go for the initial court date. So this kind of gets dragged on for a little while, but I finally go in and, and I talk to um, the state's attorney. Well, this guy's injuries are pretty extensive. And he saw me get into my friend's BMW, I don't know that maybe he thought I had some money, I didn't, I just got back from Mexico, I was flat broke. But I think he wanted some of it. So the guy that started the fight pressed charges. I didn't press charges back because my kind of code had always been like, you know, you get in a bar fight, you get in a bar fight. Well, they wanted to go after me pretty hard. So the state's attorney came back and the first, uh, they were looking to put me in prison for 35 years uh, on felony assault and because it was the point where he almost died. So he spent quite a bit of time in the hospital. Uh, Again, you know, it's a shame that someone got hurt. Uh, Looking back on it, I really don't feel bad for it because he and his friends started it. He and his friends attacked me. I'm not making excuses, but it is what it is. So about two years dragged on while this thing kind of went to trial. finally the judge said like listen this is ridiculous what are you guys doing so they made it, they cut a deal and I ended up getting uh, an eight year suspended sentence um, and I was on probation for five years mind you this is the, I had just gotten off probation a little while, but before this I'd been on basically from the time I was 18 until almost 30 I was on some form of uh, um, observation by the state so I thought, okay, you know what? Because I said to myself, I'll do two years. Two years is the most I do. If I get, Even if I got eight years, I probably would do two and get out. So I was fine with that. So I actually ended up not having to serve any time. It was great. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally do things right. Um, I'm going to go in. This is when I was about 24. I'm going to go in and uh, I'm do my probation or meet up. I walk in the door, meet the probation officer, he says, you're Jeb Johnson? I say, yes sir, he's like, you're under arrest. Two officers come in, handcuff me, take me back to jail. Apparently I had an outstanding warrant. So I'm back in jail again. My friends uh, got the bail bondsman that I had been using, Valdez, who uh, came and got me out, and um, that started my kind of journey there. Um, I ended up getting pretty bad. Started drinking a lot. Uh, During that time waiting for trial, I thought I was going to be doing quite a bit of time in prison, and I got pretty bad. I didn't really care about much. Um, I didn't really care about myself. I didn't care about others. Um, And you know, I was in some pretty dark places. After this, I ended up at 25, I was pretty, it was pretty ugly. I was out in L.A., uh, got into a pretty bad brawl out there, um, got hit in the head with a bottle. Um, pretty ugly situation. Came back and decided that I needed to do something about it. My mom came, picked me up, took me to a detox facility, spent three days in there, detoxed, and ended up spending the next three years dead sober met my wife. My life really started to change for the better. Uh, I decided that I was going to pursue a career in hair, because I had a lot of friends that did hair. And um, I became a hairdresser. We went on our honeymoon. My wife and I, we went to Tuscany. And I decided, you know what? I feel like I'm okay. I'm going to drink wine. So... I ended up drinking again. It wasn't bad for a while. Uh, my career picked up. Um, I, you know, as with everything I did, I really threw myself into it. Um, I started you know I basically my rule of thumb was I found the person who I thought was the best person I knew, who I thought was the most talented hairdresser in that area, and I wanted to go, and I was going to learn from him. It was, it was always men. After my initial uh, uh, training, so those uh, I, I moved on um, worked in Annapolis, I started traveling, I started teaching other people about haircutting, I started educating, I started doing a lot of really cool things, ended up uh, working in um, you know my goal was always to be a, a hairdresser um, to you know kind of model celebrities you know the idea like idea of like working in New York was amazing and uh, before you know it. There I was working at this place called Wonderland in Chelsea, meatpacking district. Uh, Clients were models, supermodels, um, the occasional actor, actress, celebrity. Um, A lot of people you would know were regular clients. I would do haircuts, color, basically picking up any magazine. And there might be a Vogue or uh, an L and my clients were in there. It was pretty cool. Reached a goal. Something wasn't right. I wasn't really doing what I had set out to do. I didn't get any satisfaction from being there. And uh, the good thing is, though, is it brought me to New York. My wife never wanted to be here. She was miserable the first few months. She hated it. She she kind of had always kind of been in the suburbs. It's kind of like kind of quiet. Even though she went to college, she went to art school. Her fr- like all of her friends from college live we all live in the same neighborhood now. They've been here since you know ninety nine two thousand, and she hated it. And then one day, she got on the subway which had always kind of scared her and she went and met a friend and they got a couple glasses of wine and then went shopping. And all of a sudden she was like, this is the greatest place I've ever been. (laughs) And she fell in love with it and we fell in love with it. And, um, it hasn't been easy. I was still, you know, I still was, it was, uh, battling alcoholism, very bad. Um, I, I went through some tough periods, um, you know, went through a full outpatient rehab here. I mean, I've been to rehab so many times, uh, you know. Um, at one point, you know, I should probably go back to this. So things had kind of cleaned up. I had, I, I only, there was one more jail set stay, which really, really uh, kind of put the nail in the coffin for me of of figuring out what I need to do about uh, my anger issues. But um, again, this time I missed Thanksgiving dinner and it was kind of one of these things of like, man, what are you doing? Cause when I was younger, when I was single, I didn't care. And it was when all of a sudden, when I hurt someone else, it changed. So after that, I decided I needed to do something. Um, and a weird circumstance happened where a, uh, documentary crew was going to document my time in rehab they paid for it they got me a scholarship Um, this rehab was about I think the first month was 40,000 the next three months I stayed were probably equivalent so I got the equivalent of um, you know an education there four months in rehab away from everyone away from family Um, really taught me a lot about myself Really being separate from the world. Being enclosed away from anything that can influence you. Spending time meditating, really meditating. Only being able to spend 15 minutes to talk to your wife and having to fight for the phone. The hardest part for me wasn't me being away. It was me not being there to take care of her. Uh, One of the biggest things I learned about myself is that I am very much, uh, I feel very much responsible for other people. And that's been a very, very big problem for me. So after this rehab, though, obviously, you know, we were in New York. um, And... Again, you know, I still kept falling back into my old habits. But somewhere along the line, I decided that that I wanted to learn about fitness. I wanted to work out. I wanted to be bigger. So I started working out. I got really into it. I went to this website. I followed this guy, Jason Ferrugia, got all his e-books. Started working out. I started packing on muscle. I started liking the way I looked. Um, And then I met up with this guy, Sean, who will be a guest in the near future. Sean Heisen. And um, he knew, I mean, he was the editor at um, Men's Fitness, an editor at Muscle and Fitness. This guy knew everything about training, everything. And he just, so we started working out together. And I got a master's class in three nights a week. Two hours each session. We would be there working out, and I would just talk, pick his brain, ask him about everything. He would tell me about, you know, the the you know how things. You know, Arthur Saxon, and uh, and Joe Weeder, and he was just a historian. Uh, um, he just knows so much about so much when it comes to training. I mean, the guy is he knew everyone too, so it put me in contact with the the best minds in the industry, and so I, you know. The guys that, that I still look up to, like Murph from uh, TPS, or Smitty from Diesel Crew, Jay Ferugia, you know, uh, Joe DeFranco, I mean, Ben Bruno, I, I mean, this guy now, Ben, You know, at the time was a younger guy, now he's... Um, you know, a big celebrity trainer. But when I wasn't really sure, like I was just kind of starting out, he's the one that said, do it. Do it. Get a training certification. If you need help getting a job, let me know. I'll make some phone calls. So these are the people that I had in my corner. And so I started training. I started getting into it. And Sean looks at me and he says, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you do this for a living? You know, you don't seem like the hair thing is really something you love. And it's true. What I had loved about it was dead. i just I just started to hate it. And so he said, Why don't you do this? And I said, I don't know. He said, You know more about this than a lot of people out there. I think it'd be really, you know, it would work for you. So I did. Started training people. I got infatuated with nutrition. And It's been a long and circuitous route to get to where I am, um, to get to this place, but it's all been my interest in people. It's all been My interest in behavior. I fought it my whole life. My mother's a psychologist. My job was getting around people. Psychiatrists hate me. They can't get anything out of me. Because I was trained from a young age that this is what people are trying to do. They're trying to get into my head. And I didn't want to be involved in that And yet, it's the thing that fascinates me above everything else. I didn't realize it until a couple years ago. But I love understanding why people tick, why they do what they do. And I love talking to people and seeing what it is that drives them. I love seeing people who can be passionate about something. I love seeing people that are successful at something. Now, I'm not into this whole follow your bliss thing. You know, I think you got to work. I think the bliss part comes when you work so hard at something you can't imagine it not working out. And so I guess the point of this whole episode is to just give you a brief overview of me. I've lived what a lot of people would say is a kind of fantastical life. It's been very strange. Um, It seemed normal to me, but as I look back on it, I'm only 40 years old, but I look back over the past 40 years, particularly the past 30, and it's filled with insane stories. I got to be all the characters from those movies and those shows and those songs that I wanted to be. And I somehow lived to tell the tale. I mean, I, 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 who else goes for a weekend trip to Puerto Rico and ends up being there for the second worst storm in history and, you know, gets trapped? But I was fine with it. It didn't seem weird to me. My wife, actually, at this point, I think is actually even to the fact that things like that happen, and it doesn't seem weird to her anymore. It's just our life. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. But I will never look back on any of this and say that I didn't experience everything I had the chance to. And so that's what this whole podcast is, is I don't want to pass up the chance to experience other people who are so amazing that I have in this group of this network of friends that I've made from the internet because there is so much out there that I want to learn. And most of all, it's really these people's stories. It's your stories. And that's why I love what I do so much. Every day I talk to people about their story. They tell me about their story. They tell me about their struggles. And we get to write the next chapter together. Because my story is great. It could have been a... Tra- it still could end up a tragedy. I don't know. But I'm pretty, pretty uh, dedicated to making sure that this part of my life makes anything that happened before, it makes it a story of, of redemption. Of hopefully triumph. Of proof... That your past doesn't have to define your future. And I'm hoping that I can help other people to realize that same thing. And in my work, that's what I I think I get to do. In something that seems so silly, I tell people what to eat. But in that, I've been able to watch people's lives transform Just as mine did. Lifting weights. The people I've met through lifting weights. Jiu-jitsu. The people I've met through jiu-jitsu. These are things that have fundamentally changed who I am as a person. Paying attention to what I eat has fundamentally changed who I am as a person. Because now I can't imagine ever going back to that place and giving up all of the things that I have. And these aren't, these aren't possessions. These things I have are relationships. These things I have are gifts that I've been given that I get to do every day. And it's not the working out or the jiu-jitsu because if that all went away, I'd be very sad but I would find a way to still connect. And I think, again, that's what this is about. It's about connection. It's about finding out more about people. It's about finding out people's stories. All these people that we see, you know, in our network of, of friends that we're like, wow, this guy does really cool stuff, or he does this, does that. Why? Why? Why does this woman, you know, do all these, you know, great Things, you know, as a PhD has been driven by education, or what is it? Why? And that's what I hope to just kind of suss out in this. And I hope uh, you enjoy it. So that's a little backstory on me. Look, I'm a weird guy, I've done a lot of weird things, and um, the gruff exterior is just a way to put a little character on it but I'm hoping through this you'll find a little bit more out about me and you'll find a lot more out about some really cool people that I hope to talk to so that's it for me and now you kind of hopefully understand a little bit of why this is called in search of because it's just me in search of whatever it is that I've been looking for forever I'm not sure that I'll ever find it But I don't know that that's really the purpose of any of this. I think the search is really what matters most, at least for me. So there it is, episode one, in the can. Hopefully you'll go like it on iTunes, give it a little whatever you do, I don't know. But if you have any people that you think would be really cool for this, someone that you think is a kind of pillar of community or success or has done something really amazing or has lived a really value-filled life or has come back from something that, that, that seems insurmountable, send them my way. I'd love to talk to them. And with that, I'm going to finish up with a little exercise that I'm going to do with all of my interviews. Um, stole this from James Lipton, the actor's studio. He stole it from Quite a few people. It's been used in the past, but that is ten questions. What is your favorite word? My favorite word is facetious, and not because of what it means, just because of the spelling. It's so weird. I love it. My least favorite word, can't. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? passion? What turns you off? I think closed-mindedness would probably be that. My favorite curse word? Fuck. What noise or sound do you love? The sound of air conditioning, especially in a hotel. What noise or sound do you hate? The sound of people brushing their teeth. It gives me the chills. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think we've established that acting. What profession would you not like? I think anything. I don't. You know. I I really can't think of anything other than than what I've already done that I would not like. Because I think there's value to be found in every uh, in every endeavor. If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, Probably there's a management position waiting for you downstairs. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, Hope to see you soon. Bye.